We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. It's your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. As we head into week number five. My name is Mike Wendland, alongside Gage Bridgeford this week. And Gage, house of horrors in Cincinnati at times. The Packers have really never played well there, and they're going to be shorthanded for this one. And so let's see what the Packers can do against an NFC North or AFC North foe that's playing pretty well to start the season. Yeah, they're playing well, but at the same time, it's not like they're, it's not like they've exactly had to play a murderer's row of opponents so far. They had to play the Vikings in week one, who I never thought the Vikings were that good, and so far, I'm, I'm being proven right. They, Vikings scored, what, seven points last week? They got beat by the Cardinals pretty handily. They, who, who's their one win over this year? Is it, uh, is it Chicago? No, not Chicago. Who'd they beat? Tennessee, maybe? It's it's nobody good. Regardless, the Bengals and then the Bengals beat the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger, so that's that's not that's not an impressive win. And then they beat the Jaguars last week, and it took a big second half comeback. They were trailing, if I remember correctly, fourteen. It was either fourteen nothing or fourteen three at the half. So I don't think the Bengals are that good. Like their defense, I think is overperforming compared to the standard, the usual standards we've seen under Zach Taylor, like under Mike Zimmer. The Bengals defense traditionally gave Aaron Rodgers and other teams problems, but just this defense I think is overperforming as things stand right now. But you're not wrong. There have, there has been house of horrors a little bit here in Cincinnati with the, uh, obviously this is one of like three places that Aaron Rodgers has done a pick six in his career. He, like it, Green Bay had to go to overtime to beat them and it took a Geronimo Allison game winner, uh, to, to get them over the hump the last time they played here. So it, I, I, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous, especially because of the offense that the Bengals are able to trot out. Absolutely. And, you, and speaking of Mike Zimmer, I just look up the Minnesota schedule. Their one win was Seattle. Yeah, and in that game, Seattle couldn't get out of their own way. If you look, go, like, if you look at the amount of yards that Russell Wilson and the offense put up in that game, not necessarily on the ground, but through the air, they, they just, Seattle couldn't get out of their own way. They would generate a ton of yards or generate a big play, and then they wouldn't get in quite into scoring position, and then the drive would flame out. They scored 17 points, and it all came in the first half. The second half, they just couldn't do anything. So, and Seattle, I'm not convinced, is great either because their defense is terrible. 
Well, we'll see with Geno Smith, but that's for another week when, when Seattle and Green Bay takes the field in a little bit. But right now it's Packers and Bengals. And of course, before we jump into our main preview, don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at Pack and a Podcast and wherever your favorite podcast platform can be found. We will be there as well. So again, Packers and Bengals. This is going to be, like you said, a litmus test for this team before we started recording. Both teams pretty banged up. The Bengals, especially on their offense, Packers on the offensive line. This could be a game of attrition in the trenches. Yeah, it could. I think that the the big one is obviously Elton Jenkins. If Elton plays, that gives your team a lot. That gives Green Bay a lot more versatility as to what you can do. You can put him at center if you want. You could put him at left tackle. Personally, I wouldn't with just with the way Yosh has been playing. You can put either John Runyon there or you can put Elton at center. Uh, John Runyon, I believe, is listed as the backup center. So. With Myers out, you can put Lucas, or you can put running at center or, and Elton at left guard, or you can say, you know what, running, you've been playing well at left guard, we'll leave you there. We'll go ahead and we'll put Elton at center where he's got experience with, working with Rodgers before. It, in my opinion, that's putting your best offensive lineman that you have at the, at probably the second most important spot on the line. And with a quarterback like Rodgers who really likes, who really needs that chemistry there in the middle, I think having him there is probably the, Probably the move, so it'll be really important. Elton limited Thursday and Friday, questionable questionable as of this recording. So we'll find out tomorrow morning whether he's going to be able to go. And I think that's going to be the big the big swing swing play. If Elton's out, really, you, like you said, war of attrition in the middle. If Elton plays, I think Green Bay's got a chance to just maul the Cincinnati front. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different variables as to what happens. I'm sure we'll see, again, because we're recording this on a Saturday morning, we'll see who they elevate from the practice squad for this game. I'm guessing at least one offensive lineman will get moved up, whether it's Braden, probably Braden, or Van Lannan, or someone of the sort. Looking at their depth chart, their backup center is listed still as Jake Hansen, who I don't think would be the starter. If if it, It'll be either Elton Jenkins or Lucas Patrick. I was going to say, I think it'd be one of those two. Like, let's, like, if Elton doesn't play, I think it, I think your starting five becomes Yosh at left, Lucas or Runyon at left guard, probably Runyon, Lucas Patrick at center, Royce Newman right guard, Billy Turner right tackle. I think that's ultimately what it is. I don't think it's Hanson. Especially because Dennis Kelly's questionable as well. I hate injuries. Injuries are the worst part about football. There, there's no, no doubt in my mind that they're the worst part because it makes, it makes life difficult, and no one wants to see guys get hurt. No one. For sure, yeah, because, I mean, those are the only two guys on the injury report are those two are the two linemen, Jenkins and Kelly, that are listed as have a potential to play. Obviously, Josh Myers is out with that finger injury, which does make me nervous long-term because if it's that big of an injury, it means he's not gripping the football. Well, I mean, he he's dealt with the injury for the last couple of weeks, and he's played through it, and so I'm wondering if it's a situation where – they know that he needs to take a rest week, kind of like what Zadarius Smith should have done in week one. Like, rather than play through an injury, he should have sat out. Maybe Myers has tried to play through the injury, and they're like, you know what? Maybe you just need to take the week out, and let's see where you're at, and we'll assess you next week, Tuesday, and kind of see where you're at then. Maybe that like that could be the situation, but um, obviously it's we're kind of in wait-and-see mode with a couple of the key injuries here. Obviously, the other notable one being Jair, who's out with a shoulder injury, has as of now, avoided surgery, which they had said if he had to have surgery, that would be the end of his season. So uh, fingers crossed that he doesn't ultimately need surgery, and they can, even if it's just short-term IR and he's out for three weeks, I'd rather that than lose him for uh, the remainder of the year. Absolutely, and, and the one bright side that'll help, and I know 
bright side, depending on how you view it, but with Jair L. Kevin King will be back. He was cleared from concussion protocol. He was a full participant on Friday, so you'll have King and Stokes on the outside, or and Rasul Douglas will be active. So there's a lot to, to deal with there, obviously with Jair out, but that Bengals receiving cover is probably the strength of that team as well, though. That's going to be, that's going to be, I think, one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, because you, I mean, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, that's three guys that all got picked in the top, or in the first two rounds. Tyler Boyd is, in my opinion, one of the more underrated wide receivers in the league. T. Higgins has, T. Higgins started the year really strong, been injured the last couple of weeks, but he's really good. He's a guy that I wouldn't have minded if Green Bay had drafted him last year. I know everyone's like, oh, we don't need a wide receiver, or you say we do, or whatever. T. Higgins has been a good player, and I still think he is a good player. Then Jamar Chase has scored in four out of three, like four out of his first five, no, three out of his first four games so far, a total of four touchdowns. He's that downfield guy, and we've seen downfield players give Green Bay trouble in the past. And it'll be interesting to see who they put on him because of the like his jump ball ability. That's that was his calling card in college. He's not great at making separation. He's great at the catch point. So. Who do you put? Who do you put on him there for those deep balls, or do you just constantly send extra help to his side of the field? Like if he's on, are you sending constant help in his direction, just saying, you know what, they're going to try deep ball with him on occasion. We'll, we're going to make sure that it's not an easy completion if they go that, if they go that direction. And that is a big thing: is do you rotate the safety over on Chase? Do you rotate it onto Higgins, Boyd? Do you have Campbell follow CJ Ozoma? Because Jalen Smith, they said, is not going to play this week since he just got into town and he's not going to have time to learn the playbook. Like, that's the other big thing. And also, is Joe Mixon going to play? He's listed as questionable. If he can't go, their running game is non-existent. Yeah, they're their splitting touches highest... between P. Ryan and uh, Chris Evans. That's they've already openly said it's not going to be a work. It's not going to be a bell cow. It's going to be a. It's going to be a committee. That's fine, but P. Ryan's got nine carries on the season. Yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty Carrying sure three point one per. And then it's Joe Burrow. And then Jamar Chase. So yeah. Evans doesn't have a carry yet. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, Chris Evans has not gotten a ton of work so far. I I don't think Mixon plays as of as of our recording, as you said Saturday morning. I don't think Mixon is going to suit up for this matchup. I think he's going to sit out. We had because there was reports by all beat reporters that it was a week to week thing. And I remember last year as a Joe Mixon manager in fantasy, it was. Uh, Zach Taylor saying, yep, he's he's only going to be out for a w- couple of weeks or so. And then Joe Mixon proceeded to miss, I believe, 13 games last season. So he was just – so I don't ever trust Zach Taylor. Him, Kyle Shanahan, I don't ever trust them. I think they're both liars. But so when everybody else tells me it's week to week and then Zach Taylor tries to come out and tell me it's day to day and then Joe Mixon proceeds to not practice for three straight days, I'm leaning towards he's not playing and Zach Taylor is – I don't know if he's trying to game against Matt Lafleur or what he's doing, but I'm not. I'm not buying it. Whatever you're selling there, pal, keep keep walking. I'm not buying it. Well, absolutely. And then you look on the other side: the Packers' offense going against the Bengals' defense. Logan Wilson's been their go-to guy. Forty tackles. He's got three interceptions as a linebacker. He's had a big start. Jesse Bates, obviously one of the better safeties in the NFL. Whether he gets paid by Cincinnati or not, that's another discussion for another day. But with with Trey Wayne's listed as questionable with a hamstring injury that puts Eli Apple into the starting lineup we know what Eli Apple is at this point he's away from New York but he's still not very good so we'll see who he matches up on I he's there's no way he's covering Devontae Adams and I don't think he's got the physical ability to cover a guy like Lazard so unless they move him inside and move and bring in someone like Colonel Allen who they just activated or Darius Phillips I don't understand how they're going to match up on the perimeter against this Green Bay passing game 
All right, so real quick on Logan Wilson. I'm just going to go ahead and pour a little bit of water on the fire there. Logan Wilson has three interceptions, as you said, two of which came against the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger, and the other one was against Justin Fields when he came in in relief of Andy Dalton in week two when Matt Nagy was still calling the plays. And in case any of you have not paid attention to any Bears football over the last three weeks, Justin Fields with Bill Lazor as a coordinator versus Matt Nagy as a, as a play caller, very, very different players. Justin Fields has looked good with Bill Lazor. He did not look good at all with Matt Nagy. Why? Because Matt Nagy was calling the Andy Dalton offense. So I'm taking that with a grain of salt. And I believe at least one of the – I believe that interception against Fields, I believe was a tip ball at, that got tipped to the line of scrimmage got tipped up. Anyway – so I'm not I'm not super concerned about Logan Wilson. The like the front for the front for Cincinnati is good. Trey Hendrickson is overpaid but has been playing well. I'm not super concerned about any other pass rusher there. The the Bengals are a classic like well the the well coached team. There's not really a ton of star power here. It's more of the like some of the parts than the than actual like being good. It's just I think the team's overperforming. Shadobia Wuzie is He's played well, but I think again, and a guy that's overperforming. I'm not concerned about Eli App at all, at all, like at all. I think the, I think Green Bay is going to have whatever they want in every aspect of the game today. I don't. It doesn't matter if they want to run the ball, they want to throw the ball. I think they're going to. I think they can eat up this Cincinnati defense, and everyone will be like, "Oh, maybe Cincinnati's not good, and maybe they've just been taking advantage of bad teams. Maybe that's all it is." I'm with you. Because you look at, you talk about the Bengal defense. Henderson, you're right. He's, he's overpaid, but he's playing well. Sam Hubbard's a classic hard work and he's gonna, he's not, he's got the high motor. He's not gonna give up on plays. Ogan Joby, you don't know if he's gonna play. BJ Hill, you don't know if, you don't know how he's gonna be able to play or how well he's gonna be. DJ Reader is an absolute tank in the middle at 347, but I think Runyon and whoever plays center can, can team up and get him out of the way, opening up some running lanes. Wouzier, He's again playing well, but like I said, he's overachieving. He can't cover Devontae Adams, let's be honest. And Mike Hilton in the slot, this could be another big game for Randall Cobb. Like there's the only guy that makes me like legitimately nervous is Jesse Bates, because Bates is good, but there's only so much a safety's gonna do like, against this Green Bay offense. And you can throw away or from the him other- too. You you can exactly. throw away from him because if Bates let's say Bates is always shading the Devontae side, guess what? Whoever's on the other side is going to be open. There's going to be a guy winning his matchup over there because I think week one was a fluke in terms of there was obviously not a lot of guys running open. Like last year and the first couple of years on the floor, we've seen a lot of, oh, man, that guy's running wide open. There's no one near him. And I think week one was kind of a fluke in terms of just guys weren't getting open. Since Devontae is going to take the attention of his corner and Jesse Bates to his side. The other the guys on the other side of the field, whether it's Lazard, Tunyon, Aaron Jones even, uh, Cobb, Amari Rogers, if you really want to get into it, there's going to be open guys. And like Devontae's still going to get his, but Jesse, like you said, Jesse Bates, there's only so much a safe, a good, one good safety can do. And so I think that I, so Jesse Bates makes me nervous on that team, but otherwise I'm not, like I said, I'm not concerned about this defense. I think they're overperforming based on a bad schedule, just like I think the, and I think that they've beaten up on some bad teams. They, they lost to Chicago. When Joe Burrow threw three picks, granted, I think the Chicago defense is is good. They beat up bad Pittsburgh, and they beat Minnesota, who I don't think is that good. So congratulations. You're, you've beaten three teams who have a combined, what, two wins? In Minnesota and Pittsburgh have two wins. Jaguars don't have a win yet. Congrats, guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. True, and they're also the first thing that made Trevor Lawrence look comfortable. Lawrence yeah. played well on that Thursday night game. Yeah, and, I'm, and if I'm not mistaken, the Jaguars' offensive line was beat up coming into that game, and I don't think that they had their starting five, which was one of their big calling cards as to why they were a good landing spot for Lawrence because the offensive line was one of, like, two or three teams to return all five starters. So that, that Lawrence looking competent against you is more of a, like, hey, you guys have more problems than – Everybody thinks, and your record's kind of hiding how bad you actually are. Yeah, yeah. you're making Urban Meyer team look decent right now. That's uh, definitely a big red flag. Man, but, we're not, we don't even need to get into Urban Meyer nope, today. Jo- jo- jokes aside and all the fun stuff there, let's let's take a look at the Bengals' offense against the Packers' defense. We talked about the receivers a little bit in, in Knicks and Mixon. I mean, Joe Burrow is, is we I think we can both agree, he's still a very talented quarterback. I, we, I think he's going to be a top-10 quarterback sooner rather than later with, with what he's capable of. But their offensive line, they have not had one since the Forrest Greg years back in the early 90s and late 80s. Suofilo goes on IR. Jackson Carmen's going to start there. Trey Hill, their backup center, might be out. The, uh, sorry, Trey Hopkins, their starting center, might be out, which would put Trey Hill in the lineup. Deontay Smith might not play. That's another backup out. Their depth is gone. Jonah Williams, I think this is his first full season in the NFL after being injured last year. 
or a couple years ago, Riley so, Reed. So he was out all of his first year. He played last year, but he, I think, only played a handful of games because he dealt with an injury last year. So, and then Riley Reef, yeah, there is their other guy. I, this offensive line's not good. It's still not good. Jackson Carmen, your second round pick, the guy that everyone's like, see, they made an investment in the offensive line. Who cares about Jamar Chase versus Penny Sewell? They drafted an offensive lineman. He's not even starting. I think he's going to have to start this week because of Suofilo being out, but he's, he's, he hasn't even started yet. This is a guy that was your second round pick that was your reason why it was okay to ignore Penny Sewell isn't even, it hasn't even started for you yet. That's a problem. That's bad. That's that. That's not a good thing. Jackson Carmen is a tackle convert. He's even supposed to be. He was a tackle that was supposed to be a guard because he wasn't good enough to be a tackle. You, this offensive line has a problem. And also, you said Joe Burrow is going to be top ten sooner rather than later. I I, di- I disagree based on the Joe Burrow that we've seen. Maybe it could it could be a coaching thing. It could just be Zach Taylor's not that good of a coach. He's not. But Joe Burrow has not done anything so far for me to be like, yep, one hundred percent. Joe Burrow is going to be good. I see inconsistencies with him. He still doesn't have the deep ball. He needs his receivers to do a lot of the work for him, which that's we saw the offense and the receivers do a lot of the work for him when he was at LSU. I think he's still a great processor. I still think he's got a lot above the shoulders and a lot between his ears, but he just he looks fine to me. I, I think he's a fine quarterback. I think he's going to settle in between quarterbacks 12 and 18. He's never going to be the best quarterback. He's never going to be the worst. He's going to be fine and I guess if you can get by with that, you're you're good. But the problem is your defense isn't good enough. That's why Baker is okay being 12 to 18, and Joe Burrow is not. Essentially, I think Burrow's got a better ceiling than Baker. But the big thing I think again, if you give him an offensive line, we'll see. Because like you said, Carmen's going to be put in the lineup now with Suofilo on injured reserve. If Trey Hopkins can't go, they're going to be starting a sixth round rookie at center in Trey Hill. You got Jonah Williams again who's been injury-prone, Quentin Spain at left guard, and Riley Reef, who we know what he is at this point, having seen him in the north forever. If he has time to get the ball off, their offense will be effective, but Chase is more is a deep threat. Boyd's a great slot guy. Hagan's a good possession guy. Those are going to be the two guys who have, I'm worried about the most, even more than Chase, are the two guys who are going to get open quicker than Chase. Yeah, but this is a game this, also, if, if Mixon's out, you can pin your ears back a little bit and get after him. Yeah, especially if Trey, like, if Trey Hopkins ends up being out and then you're starting Jackson Carmen, Trey Hill, aka two rookies against Kenny Clark and like TJ Slayton, even Dean Lowry could have a good game. I'm not a big Dean Lowry guy. Anybody that's listening to this podcast knows that. That they can get after those two, and I would like to see some stunts and games with them. Send send Andre Campbell on a delayed blitz. Get get Rashawn Gary get Rashawn Gary going. If you're putting Gary against Riley Reef, I think Rashawn Gary can have a huge game. Like let Preston Smith deal with Jonah Williams. Like obviously you'll switch sides occasionally, but let Preston Smith go over there do the Jonah Williams thing. But get Rashawn Gary going against that right side of the line where I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him to produce. We already know Rashawn Gary's good. Anybody that thinks otherwise is just not paying attention. Rashawn Gary is good, and I think that this is a matchup. He can have a really, really big day. And if Joe Mixon ends up being out, which I think that he is, I'm not – like so you think Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Evans are going to be able to pass block effectively? Backup running backs generally are backup running backs on third down for a reason because they're not they're, because they're not good enough pass blockers. That's why Giovanni Bernard was always – in, in Cincinnati on third downs, he was a really good pass blocker. Samad J.P. Ryan and Chris Evans, neither one of those guys are great pass blockers. And Chris Evans is, if I'm not mistaken, not exactly the biggest guy around. I'm pretty sure he's sub six foot. 5'11", 2'11". Yep. Okay, so he's so he's kind of, so he's dense, but sub six foot. I think that Rashawn, I think this is a big Rashawn Gary game. I think this is Rashawn Gary 
Kenny Clark game. I would love to see some stunts and games with those two on the, against that right side of the line. And I think that you could see Joe Burrow throwing off his back foot and on his butt quite a lot. And this is one of those games where I know they said they're not going to play him, but I, I would love to see them activate Jalen Smith and tell him, give him, a, give him five, six plays, go get the quarterback. Go take on these these rookies or get Oren Burks in there and let Burks say, hey, go run with your head on fire and go hit things. Because I'm, I, I, I've, I've liked what I've seen from Burks. For, he missed a couple tackles last week, yes. I liked him flying around the field and being around the football when he's been out there. He's very clearly better than Ty Summers defensively. I, I, I'm not opposed to giving him some snaps. I'm really not. And Chris Barnes will be back as well. Like this, you're right. The middle of this line is ripe for the picking. Kenny Clark, we've seen what he's done against decent offensive lines the past few weeks. What he did, and what, and we saw what he did against Pittsburgh, who's not a good offensive line either. What he could do against these guys is terrifying. It's the classic C ball hit ball. If you don't make guys think too much and you just simplify everything, it makes life a lot easier on your, on, especially on defense. Just, hey, see the ball, go get it. Go get, go get the ball. That's all I need you to do. There's a reason that guys that the like there's a reason that teams like New England can t- can plug in just about anybody and continue to be good. It's just like, hey, we're gonna simplify it. You're gonna do you're gonna do the you're gonna do your job, and here's your job. Go do your job well. Don't do don't worry about doing anything else. Why has Oren Burke's been good this year after not being good? He's not having to think. He's getting the blitz. He's getting to use his athleticism, which was the entire reason that you drafted him. Why is Rashawn Gary getting to be good? Because he's big and you're letting him just use his athleticism and power and to overpower guys. There's not a lot of tackles that can just deal with a 270-pound dude that can just bull rush you and throw you around. There's a clip from a few weeks ago with Cleveland versus uh, Chicago where Miles Garrett threw Jason Peters down just backwards, just bull rushed right through him. And I think – and Rashawn Gary can do that same thing. The only thing is he's not playing Chicago yet. I'm not – I'm not scared of Riley Reef or like Jonah Williams is a guy that I still think is good, but he's not, he's clearly not as good as he was, as we thought he was when he was coming out of Alabama. And so I think we could see the matchup of a guy that Green Bay wanted to, like Green Bay fans wanted to get. And then ended, they ended up with Sean Gary and Gary could be coming out of this game being like, you know, maybe it wasn't such a bad thing for you guys to end up with me instead of that other guy. I'm with you. And then I guess the last thing we'll look at before we get to our, the lines and our picks and everything, because we got to talk about it's the Packers special teams. It's a, and I see you rubbing your brow. Do we have to talk about it? Do we have to? Yes, we do. I I would, I would rather not. Okay. Mason Crosby's good. Corey Bajorquez has been interesting. Other than that, it, the team terrifies me. It does. Because I'm I'm looking at the Bengals two returners. Brandon Wilson's their kickoff returner. On the season, he's only returned six, averaging 19.7 with a long of 30. Last year, he did take one back 103. He's got two touchdowns in 51 career kick returns. Their punt returner is Darius Phillips. He's averaging 8.6 yards a return. He's got a career long of, of 41. But I'm more worried about Wilson some... than I am about Phillips. I think that Wilson, it, like Phillips, the reason I was worried about him is Bahorquez seems to be punting consistently enough to not allow a ton of room for returns. And I think he's he's more than good enough to punt directionally and say, hey, we're going to put this guy near the sideline coverage team get over there contain him it's Wilson the thing that concerns me there is Crosby does have instances where he just he can't kick it out of the back of the end zone when you're older that's gonna happen I don't know what the weather report is for tomorrow and and I think that that could pose an issue if the wind's like blowing at him but otherwise I'm not I'm not as worried about I'm not as worried about the punt returner as I'm about the kick returner just Simply due to so I'm looking at it right now and it looks like there's 10 mile an hour winds at about at kickoff tomorrow and it's blowing. I presume that's north. 
this isn't exactly Google's not exactly helping me out here. So there should be some wind. So so if Green Bay can't kick the ball out of the end zone consistently, I'm concerned. But I just Packers special teams has never been good, and it probably never will be good. And I don't know why. I don't know why they're the only team. They're one of the few teams in the NFL that can't figure out special teams. You see all these other guys. They're like, yeah, no, consistently a top ten special teams group, and they change coordinators every year. And then Green Bay is like, yeah, no, we change coordinators every year too. It just never gets good though. I don't get it. And that's where I wonder if a guy like Rasul Douglas coming in is out there for special teams more. Not only just his depth of corner, you just remember he was actually a pretty decent tackler when he was on his other teams. So there's options there, but the key thing is just it comes down to lane discipline. Over and over again, we look at the big returns they've loved this year. It's someone leaving their lane, leaving their spot, and there's just a, a wide open gap to run through. If you stay in your spot, they're not going to get there. It's It shouldn't be that hard, but you're right. It has been ever since... I can remember. I don't remember a time in my life where Packers special teams have been good. I remember us having a good punter at one time. I remember us having good kickers. We always seem to have good kickers. Returners and coverage? No. No. I had a guy the other day try and tell me, like, yeah, you remember when the Bears had Devin Hester and how good they were at special teams? And I'm like, yeah, Green Bay played him twice a year, every year. I, I am very well aware of how good Devin Hester is. Yeah, it's, it's, that, that name is, let's not talk about that name for a while. Yeah. I, like, I remember, I mean, Randall Cobb was a good returner. Micah Hyde, stuff like Mahu sure-handed. But yeah, I'm old enough, I remember Desmond Howard and all that kind of stuff. But coverage units have never been a strength. And it, whether it's depth guys who are trying to do too much, like and losing their losing their lanes, losing losing their their dis, losing their discipline, that whatever, that's got to get shored up. And I'm hoping Mo Drayton's gonna be the guy to do it. He seems to be talking the talk. Let's see if he can walk the walk. But they need to have 11 guys out there, 10 plus a kicker, who are gonna be able to do their job consistently. And that hasn't been the case in a long, long time. So that being said, let's move into what the line is, and, and then I'll get to our predictions for this one. Yep, so the betting lines, uh, game opened at a total of 49 or 48.5, depending on where you're looking. Green Bay opened as a 3.5-point favorite uh, and a minus-170 favorite on the money line. The lines have not moved a ton. As of right now, for the most part, you're going to find Green Bay minus-3. There's a few minus-2.5s out there, but for the most part, it's stayed at like right around minus-3. You still have Green Bay as a like minus 150 to minus 155 favorite, so still pretty heavily favored there. And the total hasn't moved a lot either. At one point during the week, it was at around 51, but it's still holding right now at about 50 and a half to 50, depending on depending on where you're betting. It, this line has not moved a lot. It's stayed really consistent, which is what I mean. That's what we saw last week. There's Green Bay games, even in prime time, don't seem to get moved too heavily by the by the betting markets they tend to wait and they're they're okay with like they just their lines stay really consistent and i don't know i don't know what the reason for that is i don't know if it's just team, people don't want to bet on green bay until the last minute they're more concerned with games like kansas city tampa bay and new england etc so looking at this game though i would bet green bay on the money line i'd bet green bay on the spread at minus three i'm comfortable at that number and i would take the under on the points uh, unders have hit at a 58% clip so far through three weeks across the NFL. For those that don't know, that's a really, really high mark. Like, that's really high. It'll probably even out as the year goes on. But right now, Green Bay likes to run the ball. They Green Bay likes to run the ball, especially when they have a lead. With A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, I think they can run the ball really effectively against this defense. I already talked about I'm not that impressed with it. I don't think that they're, I don't think they're that good. I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon can both have big days. And Green and Cincinnati, even if they're leading... 
they don't like to throw the ball. Zach Taylor will sit on his hands in week one when he had to go to overtime to beat Minnesota. If he would have just thrown the ball, he never game would never would have went to overtime. But he is more than content to sit on a lead if he gets one and just run all day long. And I think that that could lead to – I don't think these running backs that are going to be in for Mixon are that effective. I think they're going to struggle. So I – so I could see Cincinnati easily, like they even if they get a quick score, I think they'll try and run, go three and out, punt. This Cincinnati Bengals team is not that good, and I think that they're going to be exposed as the quality of their opponents increases. That's fair, and I'm with you on all that. I would go money line, I'd take the Packers with the spread, and I'm going to say under. I I, I think it's going to be 31-14. I think Green Bay is going to win very comfortably. Because you talk about no, if Mixon's out, I think it could even be like a 31-10 game. If you make Joe Burrow in that offense one-dimensional, I don't think Zach Taylor can call a good enough game to protect his young quarterback. And with that offensive line, no running game, Packers are going to absolutely destroy Burrow. And that defense isn't good enough to stop a motivated Packers offense, whether it's Jones and Dillon or Adams and Lazard or Tunyon, who could finally get his breakout game again. I think the Packers win comfortably, especially on a day where it's going to be warm. It's The forecast I looked at said it's going to be low to mid-80s. So that's going to be a very warm October game, which will benefit the Packers' offense. I think they win this one easily, but I don't think they get to the over. But I think when we get this done, Green Bay gets to 4-1, and one, and I think when they get to the Arizona game in a few weeks, they'll be 6-1. and one. The only way this game really hits the over is if like they get up big and then they just get soft on defense and allow garbage time. Points. That's the only way I see the over really hitting here. If I'm because if I'm forecasting this game from a betting perspective and a game script perspective, I'm expecting Green Bay to get a lead, and then I'm expecting Green Bay to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball effectively too. I'm not like AJ Dillon last week against Pittsburgh was bulldozing everybody, and that's the strength of the Pittsburgh team is their defense and specifically their defensive front. Their corners are not as great, but they have Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt and Devin Bush. That Mika Fitzpatrick obviously is a safety, so he plays up the middle. And AJ Dillon ripped off, I think, like five or he had like four or five carries in a row of five plus yards. The dude's dude's a house. Dude is a house on wheels coming at you. And Aaron Jones is like he's not averaging five yards a carry as he did during his first two seasons, but he's still really good. So I'm yeah, no, I have no no doubt in my mind that Green Bay. I, I'm very comfortable with Green Bay winning the game. And Green Bay minus three, I think, is a more than comfortable line. I don't think that this is a letdown spot. Or a look ahead spot, which I really, which I really like. I get nervous about Green Bay or teams coming off of big games, and I'm not really concerned about that at all. And with the weather being the way that it is, I think the Green Bay can start hot, start fast, and come out blazing with a win. For sure, and especially with Chicago looming next week. So with that being said, we'll wrap things up. Uh, Gage, where can people find you? As always, you can find me on Twitter at GBridgeford NFL. I'm still working for Roto Baller, Dynasty Nerds, Denver Stiffs, which is getting ready to pick up here in the next couple of weeks with the regular season just around the corner. I'm still doing fantasy football advice every Sunday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time. I took the week off last week. Uh, I had a, I was in a wedding. That's obviously why I wasn't on the podcast last week, but and I had um, I had a rough morning Sunday. We'll just put it that way. But uh, so I will be so I will be around tomorrow morning for for those of you that are listening right now. If you're listening early enough, the Atlanta Falcons play the New York Jets at 9:30 a.m. London time. So set your lineups as quickly as possible if you have anybody involved in those two games. But otherwise, I'll be there to answer questions. Still having daily column or weekly columns come out at Dynasty Nerds and Roto Baller. So, you, but you can find all my work as always on my Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wentland, all one word. Again, I'm focusing, I'm focusing on my broadcasting career at this point. I'll be doing a lot of high school games. I'll be doing four this next week between soccer, volleyball, and high school football, as well as recording 
highlight packages for the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point football team. I'll be doing what's probably going to be the Wisconsin State Game of the Week next Friday between the Amherst Falcons and Stratford. So you can find that at Zaleski Sports, Z-A-L-E-S-K-I Sports.com. That is going to be a huge game. It's going to be, if you want to see the, what is Wisconsin high school football is like, watch that game. And of course, uh, Gage, you'll be back here next week with Mark. I will be gone filming for the UW Stevens Point football team with a very long road trip for them. So I'll be gone next week, but you're in very, very good hands with Gage and Mark as they preview the Packers and Bears for next week. So that being said, enjoy the Packers and the Bengals. Of course, find us in wherever your podcast platforms can be found. The Packaday Podcast is there at Packaday Podcast on social media and on YouTube. And so for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wendland saying so long. Enjoy week number five, everyone. Stay warm, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done